Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 56 of the PD Sports Podcast. Once again, we are into our final Premier League preview episode. We've got the top four from last season today to unpack. And with me once again is Damo. Damo, how you going? Not bad, not bad. Myself, mate. It's another day. It's another Premier League podcast episode and cannot wait to get into the top four of last season yep unreal so we are ready to go if you have missed any of our previous episodes on um, our predictions make sure you uh, either get into the podcast link in the description of this podcast or the video or vice versa if you want to watch us talk about it i think all four uh, have been uploaded now to youtube as well so if you want to physically watch us talk through this then make sure you jump over to my youtube channel dame's links are all there as well um, if you want to jump in on his socials or his twitch but i think we're going to jump straight in so finishing fourth last year was spurs they're my one big sort of surprise packet here this season um they're the team with probably the most variance uh or probably the most likely to fall out of the top four potentially a few new faces between perisic basuma Richarlison as well. I think with a full preseason under Conte here, I'm expecting some good things out of Spurs. What have you taken so far out of their preseason? I just like how they've gone about it. I think it's absolutely amazing what they've done so far in preseason. You know, Conte's first full preseason, every little press clipping you see of Spurs' preseason players being gassed, they're being trained hard, they're going to be fit, they're going to be physical. And the whole reason they back Conte in and back Conte early is to get these players integrated in this preseason process of this very physical and demanding preseason they're going through. The only question marks Perisic, he's obviously got a bit of a knock um, and a bit of an injury, so who knows where he comes into the squad or how he integrates himself. But the rest of what Conte has done on the preseason, what they've done is really, really promising. They definitely are the team, though, with the most variance, as you mentioned. You know, it is Spurs, and it'll be typical Spurs, to do all the right things, and then they bottle it all up um, come the start of the season. But I actually think their ceiling's a lot higher than people give them credit for. Yeah. And I don't think their floor's too far behind. Um, I, you it's know, good squad now. It it's solid. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll break it down a little bit more. But I think for them, they're either going to finish fifth or higher. And if they finish below fifth, that's a year where you look at Conte and it could become suckable. Because I actually think the spot they're in now is a really good place to be in if you're a Spurs fan. Yeah, especially with Champions League football this year as well. They've obviously had that attraction from different players, which has been really positive to see. Um, my big thing is the utilisation of Harry Kane. Um, and I feel like it's going to be very Diego Costa-esque without the you know, the extra carry on that Costa would do. But you know, when you take away that off-the-ball stuff from Diego Costa, he was the best striker in the league during that period like he was lethal and I see Kane being used in a very similar way uh, where he's got those tricky wingers you know like Sun and Hazard you know like I feel like that the T I'm seeing similarities and that's dangerous like for Spurs to be able to have runners like Richarlison and Lucas Moore and Kulisevsky and Sun with Kane there's going to be goals in this team for me it's how solid are they? And them getting Basuma is mental. And that is massive. Like They are crying out for a pure number eight box-to-box midfielder that's going to run the show. And then it's, you know, Romero coming back from a long-term injury. Defensively, I've still got questions. I don't think the center of defense is solid enough. Eric Dyer actually looked okay towards the end of last season with Romero. 
is there anyone else there that really steps in and helps out? Maybe they still look late in the in the window for another centre back potentially. That's just what I'm sort of thinking. That's the only weak spot. They've strengthened their backup goalkeeper. They've got Fraser Forster to come and put some actual competition to Larice, which might actually force Larice to have to actually <laughs> play well because he's had moments last year where he was unreal and then moments where he was dreadful. So I think some consistency from Larice would be, you know, would be helpful, but defensively for me is the big question. I think Perisic at right back looks good. Regulion or Davies or Sessegnon's kind of good enough, I'd say, on the left. Uh, but yeah, that middle of defence and that midfield partner for Basuma, who really, I don't really know who's going to sit and be the more defensive option because I think Basuma plays his best football when he's got a bit of licence to do what he needs to do up and up and back a bit of a Kante-esque role with a bit more going forward. Yeah, I would agree. I think the only thing I would say is I think Parrish is actually going to play on the left when he's fit because um, I think Regulon's fallen out of favour. Sessegnon be the backup to him and everyone forgets about Doherty and how good he is and how yeah. much he will play probably on the right. And I think that's another dimension to because they fit though. the back. Yeah, is that he's got to stay fit, and they got Emerson Rail as well, so they've got plenty of wing backs. Um, so I think that's where Perisic probably goes to the left instead of staying on the right. The rotation um, for Sun Champions yeah. League games There's going to be big games, big moments. Oh yeah, plenty 100%. of plenty of opportunities. I think the back three is the interesting one about yeah. how he's that up, and if it's Romero, we die with one of the others. I actually think Doherty in the, some games could even step into the three as well. Yeah, he did it at Wolves um, a bit. Yeah, um, I also think there's definitely cases to be said that the midfield two may include, um, you know, Basuma bombing on being a bit more aggressive and actually Dyer stepping into the middle of the park to be that sitter and that one that wins that ball back. I can yeah. see that happening as well. So they have some flexibility in that squad, which is what I like. Yeah, they got Benton Core as well. Yeah, Winks. and good player. Hoiberg. I, I, I just, actually, Hoiberg. Hoiberg Basuma yeah. is a good two. Yeah, they would be. And I think that's the two they would go with and Dyer would play centre-back and just more, they have some flexibility in yeah. that three at the back with that midfield too, especially with Basuma now probably being the most nailed on midfielder out of the lot. Yeah. I mean, you just find your best partnership with him if it's Hoijberg or if it's, uh, you know, Dyer stepping in or if it's, uh, you know, Bentancur. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, I just think if they sign a centre-back, their potential this season could be massive to the point where I'm like, and I know this might upset some Chelsea fans. Oh, they've got a long um, lay from Barcelona as well. Yeah, that's the other sign we're forgetting um, at the back. And they've just huge. brought Jed Spence in too. So uh, the right hand side for the right hand side. Yeah, yeah. So um, which makes me think Regulon's <laughs> out. Ah, uh, potentially, um, because he probably wants to be the starter. Uh, yep. You know, World Cup year as well. Uh, probably, you know, might look for a move to Spain somewhere where there's. You know, a bit of a vacancy there where he can play some consistent minutes. But the other centre back that I'm sort of looking at here is maybe a breakout year for Tanganga as well. Yeah, um, could be. You know, given minutes or Joe Rodon, I think his name is too. Um, another young centre back. They've, they don't have that extra experienced option. They've got three. You'd say Longley, uh, Romero, Dyer is a three. But in a season where you're competing for two domestic cups, the Premier League, the Champions League, they're going to have to rely on some kids. Um, and I think Tanganga's now been around long enough. He's got he should have enough Premier League experience to be able to step in and do a role now, because he did come on with a lot of hype and a lot of pressure. But I think he's been around the mark. You can see how long Lay settles in as well from Barcelona. That's just a little cheeky transfer that I didn't even see. That I've just seen that now when I'm looking at their playlist. 
Look, and I think that it just shows that they've got their business done so quick, so early, that will they jump in for one more? Probably maybe, not. Maybe, maybe not. I don't think they will because I think Conte wanted everyone in for his pre-season. His Still got Sanchez as well. Still got Sanchez. And, yeah. Well, I don't really rate. But... As well. He's more of a player that if you play FIFA, um, <laughs> football manager with his physicals, you know, you kind of love. But in real life, he's a bit of a walking, you know, walking train wreck. So, uh, but Squad look, player, he's another option Carabao back Cup, there too. Injuries. Yeah. yeah. And look, I think they're going to get by. And the flexibility in that squad, the ability of players going forward, he's got his men in early contact in positions where he needed it. You know, he wanted to make sure that Regulon wasn't the starting left back. Sessionong's not ready to be the starting left back um, as thrown. So he's got in his man Perisic. He knows on the right-hand side he's got Jed Spence now and Doldy, who are going to be a pretty good two to work, yeah. work and rotate. And you've got a world-class front three. You've got Kane, you've got Son. And you got Dejan Kulisewski or Richarlison. Or Lucas um, Moura. And yeah, and then you got Lucas Moura filling in. And Lucas Moura can play even right wing back. Or through it's the middle. Now, yeah, it's now a season where if you lose Son for three to four weeks or Kane for three to four weeks, I've got options. Yeah. And that's, that's what they didn't have last year. They still got Stephen Bergman one as well, I think, don't they? Yeah. And it's the first time I've looked at Spurs and gone, oh, they've actually got a full proper blown squad. Like, look at the best Spurs teams that you've seen over time. Look back at Bale. It was Bale and what, Vandervaar and, you know, Modric, was it not, in the middle? Yeah. And you're like, wow, okay, but if you lose one of them, who else you got, you know? Yeah. And then from there, you're then looking at, you know, the Spurs teams that went on that run um, against Liverpool. They lost an injury somewhere in there in that Champions League run. They're probably out because they don't yeah. have a squad to compete. Um, and well, Kane was injured just, for the final and so had to play. Yeah. Like, if you look at that and then look to what Conte's done this season, they've actually got a squad that can compete on multiple fronts. Okay, enough options in every position where they can still become, still be world-class if they lose players. And especially up top, they're going to be dangerous, dynamic, and with five subs, the amount of firepower off the bench. Yeah, you don't want to play them. Think, I actually think they've got to be quite deadly. And with that five-sub rule, expect to see that Lucas Moura... Um, with you know one minutes. of Major or Charleston coming on seventy minute or two oh, side defenders, yeah. it's gonna be difficult to contend with. And then Winks and, and Skip to like lock midfield up as well if they're yeah. winning in games as well. Yeah, oh, and I, I agree. And it's going to sound a little ludicrous, and I said that you know United would be better if they didn't have Ronaldo. But I honestly think Spurs, if they finish outside five, if outside fifth, Conte's failed massively. He probably walks but as well at that point. My, my prediction is they finish third ahead of Chelsea. Yeah, it's a big shout, but they're yeah. I think the, the big question is, whenever you do bring in four or five new names into a squad, it's how quickly can they blend. So it might be that they start slow potentially. Like Harry Kane traditionally doesn't get going until like he doesn't like August. Everyone knows that. Every FPL player knows that Harry Kane doesn't like August. But I just don't see a world at the moment where he doesn't score bags this year if he's got that much around him. Like, the pressure's not on him anymore. Like, he doesn't have to do it all. Like, he's, this is the best team or the best squad on paper that he's had around him since he's been the man. That's better than yeah. the 2015-16 team that finished second or third in the end. But they only finished third, but they were in the race with Leicester. This is a better Spurs team than that. And this is a better Spurs team that made the Champions League final. Yeah, 100% agree. And under, with a better manager as well. And oh, It's oh, dangerous. That's, that's actually bad. That's that's an interesting discussion. We maybe not have that discussion right now. I'd say it is. Half down. I, I would Short say answer. Close. Yeah, it, it's close. Um, but I just feel like this Kane situation in August, you know, he nah. scored goals, I think, last. Last, last year he year broke year. it, I think. Yeah, and 
I just uh, look. I just a funny talking point, score. isn't it? Though. Yeah, that's all it, it is. It, it, he's going to yeah. score goals. He's going to score so many goals. If you got a cool, like they can't, they can't just block the middle anymore against Spurs like teams used to. And they used to say beat us out wide because you didn't have the quality. But you're yeah, not giving. And Son. Yeah, or Richarlison and, Richarlison. and Lucas. <laughs> like it's just like, they've got to be good. And then you're not even talking about like Alfie Devine coming into the team or Troy Parrott or Dane Scarlett. You know, they're actually getting minutes, you know, yeah. in preseason. So, man, it's a good team. I feel like a couple of them are getting loaned out because of how good the squad is. But I honestly think the potential Spurs this year is scary to the point where I would be putting them into my predicted top, you know, third spot. Um, and if it's a year that it doesn't look like it would be the year where Liverpool and City, you know, all of a sudden don't get 90 plus points because I just think that they're the next two above. Not because yeah. of support Liverpool, but because of what we've seen so far from Liverpool and City. If it was a year where it was a normal Premier League season where Liverpool and City maybe finish on 80-something points, there is a world where Spurs could run that title race all the way to the end with the squad they have. There is no reason to. Yeah. But um, obviously that's not the case. Liverpool and City are on that next level, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. Uh, but I do see a world where they finish third ahead of Chelsea. But it would be typical Spurs to see them finish fifth or sixth with all this hype and all this... Uh, yeah, and bundling out of the Champions League as well. Yeah, and then all of a sudden Conte is sacked and they need another manager and what's Poch doing? Yeah, fair point. So we'll move across London um, to Chelsea where the preseason has been a bit different for them so far. So they've lost uh, Rudiger, they've lost Christensen, which are, you know have been two pillars you know in that defence for a while. They obviously bring in Koulibaly, uh, who I'm umming and ahhing about. I think... He's still got his quality. Like that. Yeah. He's a good centre-back. But this is a transfer that's taken two years for him to get the Premier League and he's been bounced around a bit. So I find that why wasn't that deal done? Was it Napoli not wanting to sell for whatever price or was it were there concerns? So I think he fits in a three comfortably. He probably plays with Thiago Silva. We know Aspi's gone as well now as, you know, so maybe it's Chalaba's turn to step in. We saw moments last year where Trevor Chalaba did step in and do a good job. Midfield-wise, obviously Gallagher returns. Sterling makes his move across. The midfield, for me, is still not amazing. Like I think you're still looking at Kante, Jorginho. I feel like Gallagher probably should, by January, have that spot locked in, potentially, of Jorginho's. I think he's starting to get a bit, you know, a bit slow for the Premier League. Another big, you know, a lot of fixture congestion. I think Gallagher has shown he deserves a spot. Kovacic is actually a really good option still, so I'd probably push him. Then up front, I'm worried with Chelsea. I'm worried about where goals are going to come from uh, because Havertz has shown glimpses as a nine, but I still don't think that's his best role. Um, But in this current Chelsea team, he's probably going to have to play up front unless they sign somebody. Uh, Brozier looks like he's going out. And then it's Timo. So I think we saw patches last year of Pulisic where he looked really good. I've been really critical of him um, as well since coming to the Premier League. But he had spells where he looked unplayable and then spells where nothing went right for him. So I'm leaning towards your viewpoint, which is pretty rare, around Spurs. Like me feeling more confident that Spurs will finish off better than Chelsea. Unless the the new owners can bring someone in late. Yeah, I get that. 
And I think there is in the part where they're looking at a couple other centre-backs to come in and fill that void. And they need it if they're going to play three at the back, which looks like they still want to as well. For me, it's more the fact that I have them pinned as fourth is they're a bit more unsettled this year. They've lost a lot of their, you know, normal quartet at the back that made the three at the back so successful, the five at the back, wherever you want to look at it. Yeah. I still think it'll be the same typical Chelsea, you know. They'll get people in wide areas that will come inside, the wing backs will bomb on, and they still will look good. Um, yep. I think the biggest person you didn't mention, I think it's the guy that they need to get going and get going for the whole entire season and then to finish well is Mason Mount. Yeah. And without Mount, I actually think Chelsea become a lot worse of a side that it is a bit scary if you're a Chelsea fan if Mount doesn't get going. I, I think Havertz is obviously not a bad option in the nine because he's that type of, you know, two short. If you're going to keep it on the ground. Yeah. And he but, drifts in. How does Mount fit for you on the left of a three? I don't mind him there, and I don't mind him in the middle. And then obviously in the middle, then you've got to wear not having as strong of a two if he plays a two. If he plays a three through the middle, it's a bit interesting as well. Um, And then goes a two up top. Yeah. Um, But that's very narrow. I think think he's just going to end up on the left with Chilwell providing the width. Which I don't think is bad, and I think that's okay for Mount. He's very creative. And I feel like he's one of those guys that you can put... He'll in tuck in with Havertz top. potentially too. So if Havertz is dropping in, then Mount can kind of drift and be a bit more central as yeah. well and rely on whoever the left central midfielder is to sort of, you know, be that... Whether it's Kovacic, maybe that's where Kovacic slots in and he gets yeah. a bit more freedom and then he works a bit more with Chilwell. Yeah. Yeah, good player too, Kovacic. I'll rate him highly. Yeah, he's underrated. Dom loves highly. him. Um, but for me, it's... It's where if you look at Spurs, they're so settled. The signings come in early, a full preseason under a manager that clearly knows what he wants, what he's getting, and what his you know preseason regime is. You look at Chelsea, players on the hour. You're losing Azpilicueta now. You know very late on. Um, we say very late on. It's not like it's August thirtieth, um, but you know late on yeah, in preseason. But you're two weeks away um, from the first game. Yeah, and for them it's up in the air. And you know when we're looking in and we're questioning, are they actually going to play a four at the back or a five at the back? And Chelsea are known to play five. That's when you know that, oh, hang on, they're not as settled. And that's what always makes me go and look at them and go, they might start slow and they might not start, you know, as yep. good at defence as they had last year. Does that mean they're going to be automatically bad and looking at six, seven, and their defence is going to be horrid? No, they'll still probably be a top four defence. Just it will be a bit more unsettled. And I think in those early fixtures until they figure each other out, that could be four games, that could be eight games, that could be 15 games to the World Cup you might get an unsettled Chelsea. And for me, that's enough with Spurs, how good their squad is, that Spurs will be more consistent and obviously finish in the third place and Chelsea finish fourth. I would love to be wrong because I do like watching Chelsea and I do like watching Tuchel. I especially and it's free-flowing. Yeah, I especially yeah. love when the ball falls in the Kovacic and he sprays one out to James and next minute's Chilwell at the bat stick. I love watching that shit. It's the best. What saves What saves Chelsea for me is their run. So yeah, they get Everton first, then they do play play Spurs straight away. So that'd be a good test yeah. for them. But then yeah, Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, West Ham, Fulham, us, Palace, Wolves, Villa, Brentford, United, Brighton, Arsenal, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest. Like it's favourable. It's spaced out. It's yeah, the big games are spaced out, and they've got a lot of good fixtures in between those games. So they have time to settle, and they may not even be that good in those games, but get points because of that. Yeah. If they had a clunk of games like Chelsea, Liverpool, City in a row, and Chelsea, Liverpool, City, so United, Liverpool, City in a row, yeah, that could be dangerous at this point because they're a bit unsettled. I would like to see Chelsea sign another centre back outside 
Yeah, they need one. I know this talk's going on to a lot of other, you know, another other paces there for themselves as well. Um, but for me, it's more they have to rely a lot on probably Chalaba doing a big amount of the leg work back there. They which have is to scary. rely a lot on you know Mendy playing out of his skin, which he can do, and they have to rely a lot on the attacking output of James and Chilwell. Well, to the point of if one of them goes down, who do they play there? Yeah, because we saw that they were different with Alonso than Chilwell last year. Like, it wasn't the same. Uh, and apparently Alonso and, Ch- and Tuchel have not got along towards the end of last season. I don't know if there's any fallout still happening from that either. Fair enough. Apparently there's a bit of a bust-up uh, at the end of the last game of the season. But um, hence why I haven't even bothered looking at Alonso uh, for fantasy. No, nah, he doesn't but, start anyway. Um, for me, it's... When you look at... Spurs, you can pinpoint who the replacements are, how they're going to line up, who they're going to be. You look at Chelsea, they lose James. Who's playing right back? Is it Trevor? Is it uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi? Is it... Uh, is they going to put one of the midfielders in there? Do they fit Conor Gallagher in a right, back, a right wing back if James goes down? Well, Pulisic has done that role in the past too. Yeah. It's so, it's so not the same. and changing. Yeah. It's not the same. And then you lose someone from out up top, you know, because they're lining up free up top and then they've lost, um, you know, they brought Sterling in. It's more than likely having oh, yeah. Mount Sterling, you know. Then it's hudson Doy, but if hudson Doy has to play right wing back and they lose another one, I don't see the free-flowing options. Yeah. For me, I think they're one midfielder too heavy in the middle of the park and they're one centre-back too light to the point where I'm like, if a good bid came in for Jorginho or if Cullum, uh, if, uh, if, I don't think they will, but if Conor Gallagher got another loan to yes. Yeah. I would use that as an impetus to go, okay, I need to get the centre-back in now. Yeah, that's a fair point. That hasn't happened. And I don't no, see them happen. playing with a three in midfield either because I feel like it's – you just they don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I get that too. I get that as well. Yeah, so you – know, I'm, I'm I think they need a striker. As well. I don't know. They need goals too. There's so much with Chelsea. Look, that's what's going to play out. That's the interesting bit is there's lots to play out still. There's still two weeks. It's not the end of the world, um, but – it's not the hype that was there from last year. I think we always forget about Ziyech as well because nah. the guy is clearly talented, but I don't see him being much of a factor either. Nah. Um, and then they've got, I think they've got Saar in the back end as well, by memory too. But I want to no, see him. Saar. Yeah. I haven't liked what I've seen of him so far. And yeah. a few Chelsea fans that I've spoken to are of the same opinion that, you know, end of the day was a free transfer from Nice. Like, yes, he had hype, but if. You know, the circumstances that he joined Chelsea were a bit dodge. You know, like I think if Nice yeah. knew they had an asset there, they would have cashed out earlier potentially too. Um, and from what I have seen, it hasn't been fantastic. But numbers are numbers at this point. And there's games galore and he'll play games. That's the thing. Yeah. He's a centre-back. If he's fit, he'll play. But, you know, you don't want to be going in. But it's rare that you lose three in one win, like three starters in one window. No, and one of them's your backup right wing back as well, which Aspi covered very well last year. And then yeah, Rudiger and Christensen were two, you know, nailed on centre back. So it's it's rare times, and you know, a lot to play out for Chelsea. So I'm excited though to see what happens because there's a lot yeah. of question marks. And if Tuchel can get those questions answered early, then they'll be fine. But it's got the potential to snowball, which is going to be interesting for me. And that will snowball from what happened with them last season, the sale of the club, etc. Um, and a lot is resting on a very elderly Thiago Silva, and you saw it against Liverpool, even though they weren't event, they weren't exploiting the FA Cup final. We got injured and played injured in that 
final. Yeah. And we should have scored five or six. We never did. He's so good. But he's unbelievable. And I I rate him highly. He's one of the best centre-backs that has played in the modern modern day. I agree. His record precedes himself. Um, But how long can you rely on the guy to be... Yeah, 36, 37 years old. I just worry for Chelsea and their lack of squad depth. And that's why I have them fourth. I'm not going to go out here and say they're going to be horrid. I'm not going to go out here and say no, they're still quality. The top four, but there is definitely a world where they do finish outside the top four if it all snowballs wrongly. Yeah. But they've got too good of a manager and too many good players going forward that I feel like they'll save themselves anyway. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move north. Very far there north. I don't think we need to go into too much depth here, with honestly, with Liverpool and City because they're that much ahead at this point. It, yeah. I find it very hard to see either of the two teams dropping off. So we'll focus yeah, on Liverpool. This might not actually take as long as you guys might think because from a Liverpool perspective, we've gone and got some extra depth in um, our mate Ramsey at the back as a fullback yeah. option. Very good fullback. Obviously, Darwin Nunes as well has come in uh, this season. Uh, we get uh, Nat Phillips back, but I'd expect him to go back out on loan. We get, Bournemouth. Yeah which makes sense because he had a good loan spell there. Um, we bring in Cavallo um, in the midfield, and it looks like he's going to play in that creative part of the midfield three, which I love. I think I that's going to suit him well. the best, Yeah, um, which is really positive. We get Harvey Elliott back from some long-term injuries as well. Again, we said at this time last year, we didn't know what his role was going to be. He's playing midfield. I got that I one wrong. Say. I got that if wrong. If he didn't get injured... He would have. He was in the team. Midfield. Yeah, he was in the team. He was playing unreal. Yeah. I know you got that wrong. I got that right. I'm going to pump myself up here. Yeah. Um, but it's only because that, I still like uh, him as a winger. If you need yeah. him out there, but yeah, exactly. he was that good. He was that good in that ten or eight role. Oh, he was unbelievable. Him, Cavallo, you know, Cater are, are kind of playing for the one spot. I feel. Yeah. In that I three. Think so too. Yeah. yeah. And Thiago and Fabinho nailed on with Jordan Henderson. And that's like, yeah. Well, we've got options, which is what we've been crying out for. And then up front... The creative option, at yeah. least. And then we've got Jota, Firmino, Nunes, Salah as the, the real nailed-on forward options. Yeah, Obviously, Diaz. you lose... Oh, and Diaz as well, sorry. Um, and we lose Divock and Mane oh. out of that. So, look, I don't want to go on heaps about Liverpool because... What, uh, we lost two games last year and we missed out on winning the league. How much better do you have to be? You can't draw seven like we did, I think it was. I think we drew seven games, I think. You know, who knows? Honestly, for me, it's a flip of the coin. Who do, who gets the, the least amount of injuries? Who can put the run of games together? Who's got the squad depth? Who's settled? We're probably more settled. I'd say, than City at the moment. I think there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of Fernandinho's gone, Sterling's gone. You know, there's changes happening at City. There's a lot of movement. There's not normally this much movement, and we'll get into the City transfers when we get to City. I think that's a positive for Liverpool. Yes, we've lost Mane, but we bought the replacement in January. So... Yes, Mane started playing through the midfield, like sorry, not midfield, through the middle more at the end of last year. That's just Darwin straight in. But the real replacement was Diaz, and they knew the pressure was there from Spurs, so the club pounced on it in January, 
And when did Mane move into the middle? Once Diaz nailed himself on. Because everyone knew internally, and I, and we all said it. Like we, you know, we were saying that Mane is the one that's going to go before Salah. All the talk was Salah gone because he's not signing his contract. He was always signing that contract. I, I never f- at one point felt that Salah was gone. I was openly saying, and I'm a Mane, I was a pro Mane person with a Mane Champions League winner's top in my house saying, I think Mane's done. From what I was hearing, everyone uses the bullshit excuse of, oh, Senegal said Mane's gone. We knew from the middle of the season that Mane was a big possibility of leaving because he's done it all in England. Like, he was ready for another challenge. It didn't surprise me that now he's going to buy in and he's the he's the man. I think he needed a club where he's the guy. Yeah. And I he agree. was a great servant for our club and I can he can leave. I would have loved to send him off with the Champions League. That would have been brilliant, especially against Madrid after he was so good against Madrid in that first final on 2000 and whatever hell it was, 17. Would have loved for us to send him off with a you know another medal. But that everyone asks what's going to happen without Mane. I am perfectly fine, which I never thought I'd say, with him gone. Because I believe that the goals will come for Darwin. He's copping a lot of crap so on social media because of his preseason. Can't I don't care like at all, to be honest. He's learning a language, he's getting used to a new system. Goals are goals. He was scoring. He was scoring almost a goal a game in Portugal and in the Champions League last season for Benfica. That tells you enough. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. I don't read into any of that on social media. It's just a lot of people, you know, like bored. And, and yeah, they're just like like you know, ping, pinging people down because that's what they do on social media. Yeah. Same way with like Harland and you know, oh, you know, Harland this, Harland that, and what happens if Pep rotate? Harlan's got a bang for 25 goals in next this season. And Harlan doesn't play full seasons anyway. He gets injured all the yeah. time too. And he's so. still got a bang 20 to 25 <laughs> goals in. So with Darwin playing, it's going to be the same. I'm not going to say they're on the same pedestal because I'm not deluded. You know, but for me, if Darwin first season gets me 15 goals, yeah. I'm still going to get 20 goals out of Salah. I'm still well, we're only get getting 22, 23 out of Mane, who was settled. So and that's I'm what get, I'm comparing I'm it to. Get 10 plus out of Diaz easy without putting any pressure on him, he's going to get 10. If I want to put pressure on him, I think he could get 15 or 20. Because yeah, he's that good. and he can go fifteen, and fifteen though as well. That's the thing; you get fifteen assists too. Yeah, and look at the re- look at the look at the rest of the team where our goals come from too. It's not like we're a team that relies on only one goal anymore. Score. Yeah, our midfield can score goals. Trent Alexander Arnold can Scores. score goals. Robertson, if he ever wanted to finish in his life, could score goals. He does pop but up in the back post a bit, doesn't he? Mate, we've <laughs> got a team where we have a goalkeeper that can score goals. <laughs> So yeah, I I'm think... not worried when it comes to anyone on social media going this, that, whatever. It's all because he got a chance against United in a game we did not obviously give a crap about, which I don't even care. It was more funny to watch because we had so many kids that were never We played, played 32 play players. Before. Yeah, like who does that? Yeah. We, we went there just to go sit on the beach and go, welcome back, boys. And have a bit, have, that was it, though. The, the preseason yeah. is so scheduled. Yeah. That's why I love the way we do things. Like, yeah, that, we don't... Do it normal. You know, people go in, big pre-season, you name it. Don't get me wrong, we do the work at Melwood and do that lactis test. The the lactate threshold test, bloody Milner. right. And we run them off the socks. But the whole point for our pre-season, we go over, you know, over place, is actually more bonding, get the boys together, enjoy it. You know, we will play games of football. Do you think... nice to try. But for us, it was just, you know, go over there as a squad and... Do you think that's because we're settled and we can get into it slowly? But so, United, I said this in a... Uh, chat 
on an um, on a stream, Tony FM stream. Um, that game, season me United supporter. The way yeah. I said it, I said that that individual game was two teams at two very different stages of their preseason. New manager at Man United, players playing for positions, players trying to impress. Ten Hag trying to get his system in place. Where Liverpool, it was we've had a big ass bloody season. We are slowly getting our team back. Two of their goals came because we've switched 11 players out for another 11 players. They have got no feel for the game. So I don't look into the the results of preseason. Never have. I just want to make sure that the right players are getting the right minutes and are getting accustomed to who they're going to play with. That's what I cared more about. End of the day... We can go on forever with Liverpool, but I think the way we need to put it is we are going to be competing on all fronts again for another season. My big worry is how hard does the World Cup hit us? Who makes the final of the World Cup? Is it a player of a nationality that's in our squad? Maybe, maybe not. How early do we get our players back versus City is going to make a huge difference come the end of the season. I agree with We're that. lucky and that I- Salah's not going. I think that's massive... That is absolutely massive that he gets a month fresh. Compared to last year. Yep, after and going to AFCON. He, and look what he did tired last year. He still averaged seven plus fantasy points a game last yeah. year. In a, in a second half a year where, sorry, second half a year only, he still averaged more than seven points, 7.4. And he was on his feet. And he apparently had a re- he was off his feet and had a really poor whatever. Yeah. You know, second half of the year. And that's how immortal the man is for us. And that's why he stayed over Mane. And we, we, that's where the contract And they paid the money. Yeah. But uh, we could speak about Liverpool all day. It's more the fact we're not worried about preseason. We're in a different stage of preseason than United were. We'll probably still beat United when we pay him in round week three. Yeah, got him early. Yeah, week, yeah, week three or week four, whatever it is. Um, and yeah, we three. will be fighting on all fronts. I am going to go out here and put the prediction in place straight away that we are going to finish second in the league. But I am a big believer if everything gels quickly that we will top our Champions League group and be there thereabouts to make another final again this year for the yeah, Champions and League. And go deep. And go, you know, go deep and give it another crack. It could be very similar to 17, 18, 17, 18 and 18, 19 where we go second year and win it. Yeah. It could be. And yeah. the beauty of being a Liverpool fan is that you can believe that and be happy with that. But if someone tells me right now, we finished second, finished just miss out on City, we make the Champions League semi-final, we lose in the FA Cup semi, and we lose in the Cabral Cup semi, I'm still going to sit here and go, you know what? That's not a bad year of some new signings and a little bit of you know change in the squad as well. And yeah. we're happy with that. 100%. All right, let's move about an hour away to Manchester. And I've just pulled up the City playing squad currently, and we have forgotten somebody that's gone back to Chelsea. Who's a centre back? Do you remember? Gone back to Chelsea. Nathan Ake. Has that been done yet? Bro? I'm pretty sure it's happening. Regardless, I'm pretty sure it's happening too, but it's not. Done. I've, it's not 100% official done, but we. Yeah, I but did happening. forget to mention him, and I've just look. Uh, as soon as I looked at the defence, I saw Ake. I was like, shit, we didn't talk about him. So, if he goes to Chelsea, then that doesn't change everything, but that helps. I think they need yeah. him and Kunde, and then I'm. Bit happier. Yeah, same. Well, see, I'm like that too because I play for three yeah. centre backs. Yeah. So, move away from Ake. <laughs> We're banking on him not being <laughs> at City. But you never know. Strange things have happened. So, City transfers so far. New backup goalkeeper, Ortega. 
probably a good thing. Um, I didn't really rate Zach Steffen. I think his performance in the Carabao Cup uh, final um, was probably... The, was it Carabao? No, semi-final, that sorry. Semi-final, FA Cup semi-final, sorry. Um, when Paramount had that crappy camera angle of everything. Um, I think that was his moment where City are like, okay, go play. Because, you know, I, I think that'd be really tough like for a goalkeeper that doesn't play much. As a cup goalkeeper who's probably had two months off, go play the semi final against Liverpool. Like I'd go, yeah, like I know you've got us there, but is this the right preparation? Maybe not. So poor him. But they've gone and bought someone in. So you'd say that he's probably out the door at the end of the season, regardless. Defensively, it looks like there's just some young kids that have been put up. So there's Luke and Bede Tabu. I'm not sure where he's come from. And there's pun. I assume he's French. And Josh Wilson S. Brand as well. I'm assuming he's probably in the academy. Zinchenko, official to Arsenal, I think, or very yeah, close. That's that's so, fun. you know, massive for for him because I think he can play midfield or left back. But that means City, obviously, Lou. I think him going means Cucurella's coming in. I think that's kind of the, the I process. I think so, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'd be pretty confident that by, you know, next week, Cucurella's a City player. And the one thing City have where it works well is they don't have to rush him in because Cancelo can do a job there for a little bit at left back whilst Cucurella gets used to things. So um, that's not too bad. Uh, Midfield-wise, I think their only additions being Calvin Phillips. um, Yep, good signing. Which is a brilliant signing. Good Fernandinho replacement. Like Fernandinho prime replacement, not current Fernandinho. He probably played a bit more at centre-back. But yeah, between sort of Rodri, uh, Phillips... Gundogan, Bernardo, Foden, De Bruyne, combinations of three of that, it's going to be dangerous. That's going to be really oh, yeah. dangerous. Always. Always dangerous. And then, Mara's can even fill in in the middle there, being a more a creative player through the middle. So they, they're going to be dangerous. Yeah, and then obviously Erling Haaland, main man up front, Julian Alvarez, who signed in January. Interesting to see where he'll fit in, whether he fits in on the wing or whether he fits in up front. Um, I think he's naturally a, a nine, but has the potential to, to play um, a bit Wide. wider if needed. Yeah. And then Mares, Bernardo as well. Uh, Foden's played out on the on the wings too. So, look, we know what City's going to be. We know what Pep's going to do. 4-3-3. One inverted wing back pretty well. That drop, you know, that sits in the midfield and pushes on and helps out. And just fluid creativity all around. I think City, again, powerhouse doesn't matter like it really doesn't at this point really does it we know like there's not much more to say about man city other than they need to win a champions league i think at this point yeah. be, because they've been so dominant in the premier league but they're going to score goals oh, and if they can keep laporte and diaz fit i think that's the key i think the one weakness you'd say about this team especially if they lose ake is center back depth um that would be my one concern uh, yeah. At the moment, and they can't really have an injury at centre back. It's already started. Like Laporte's had a knock. Stones ain't ready. I forgot about and, Stones. And Diaz is there as the only real fit centre back at the minute. At uh, and not including Nafanake because I think he's gone. But um, at the moment at City, that could change. You know, still a week and a half to the you know Cabaret Cup, and uh, you know two weeks and a bit till the league starting. So. Um, with that being said, I do think City are going to be too strong yet again. They're just unbelievably unreal. I think a lot of City season is going to be determined about Champions League football, where they sit, how they go, and can they win it? 
Um, I'm almost at the stage now where I'm like, you know what, just get, let Pep have another crack at it because it would be good to watch either way if they win it. Great, yeah. well done. Kudos, what a, what a time. Naming Pep leaves the league, which is great for us. Gives us a couple of years of clock without <laughs> Pep. Um, or, and it would also be great to watch them make another final and make a hash of it because they did the last time. Um, but, you know, in terms of just the Premier League, they're going to be too strong. Haaland may only pay 20 to 25 games this season and he's going to score a goal a game. And yeah, he's going to dominate. It may not be that he might not score in the first one or two games. He'll then score four in another. You know, <laughs> he's just the a amount beast. of balls going to, going to be coming in and across that box to Haaland inside the 18-yard box is a joke. That's yeah. why I really thought they were going to pick up Harry Kane a year ago because Kane's a bit more durable. Kane has got the same finishing ability. And if Kane was there for 38 games, he's going 38 to 40, 40 goals a season. I think Haaland, if he stayed fit for 38 games, could do the same. Don't think he does because it's Haaland. Um, but he's still going to score 25 goals in 25 games in a City side that won the league last year and decided to then sign Haaland. That's how good they are. And yeah. as much as we think at centre-back, they, they're a little bit fragile and they, they get injuries, never seems to worry them. So I think they're going to be nailed on, for me, as being... Favourites. Yeah. Favourites. They're going to be quality. And you know what? At the end of the day, you put your neutral hat on, City games on TV is the early kickoff. You sit there, you watch it because they are the best Premier League side that, that we can ever enjoy in the history of the Prem. Yeah, we might as well sit here and enjoy it. As much as I'm a Liverpool fan, got to. It's what's made the Premier League so good, though, isn't it? Because yeah. this has been the best Liverpool team for bloody thirty years, and they've got someone to go against. And I don't. Maybe it's a bit of bias, but I don't think Liverpool's got the credit that it deserves because of how good City have been. And I think people that don't support either City or Liverpool really get it because yeah. they go, ah, Liverpool only lost two games and didn't win the league. Yeah, because City lost four but only drew five. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, it's, <laughs> it's just a nice time to be a Premier League watcher because there's so much competition for that top spot that, you know, we could lose the... We play, uh, I don't know, let's pick it out. The hat. Leicester game week 13, I don't even think that's right. Well, that but was the game instance, that we, we bloody yeah. threw it away. I mean, you said last year, you said it smack bang on the head, that could be the game that cost us the title. It was. Yeah. But, but we lose that game. That, you know, to a mere mortal, that's just the game lost in game week 13. The way it is, that's the game that costs you the league come game week 38. And how, how mental is that? Is. We're back in and Fergie's day, man. It didn't. The, the pressure wasn't there because they could lose five, six games at the time and still win the league. Because the is it the, does it mean that the 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 league the gap wasn't as big like between the top yeah, four? It's so a, it's a more teams took more points off each other. Like yeah, that's it. Because when you have two teams get a hundred or hundred and ninety eight, ninety nine points in the same league, like it's mental. That means they just don't lose. Like no one's it, doing anyone else a favor. <laughs> like it's just it, crazy. It, more the different type of errors of football. And we're not saying that Fergie's team and United and his dynasty or whatever is trash compared to this. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. But we're not saying that before anyone gives us any sort of thing. It's more the fact that back then the Arsenal, you know, United battles and the Arsenal, I'm um, sorry, the United-Chelsea battles were more the fact that on any given day, Liverpool, who were dead horrid, could rock up to Old Trafford and get four goals because Gerrard and Torres went ballistic. Yeah. Or it was, you know... Arsenal played Chelsea and Wenger got the team to fire on that day and took points off Chelsea when United and Chelsea were going for it or vice versa, 
right? It would have been, you know, there was other teams that were flying around the times, you know, that, you know, finished top eight out of nowhere and took points off each other. The gap between the top two and the rest of that top 10 wasn't that much on any given day. Someone couldn't have a result. And that's what made the Premier League back in those middle 2000s so enjoyable because you just didn't know. But United could be eight points back with five games to go and you would back United and still somehow win the title because it's Fergie time, right? This day and age is a bit different. The gap between City and Liverpool, because they're so mega, you know, the two differently run clubs. Chelsea, uh, sorry, City have all the money in the world, buy who they want. Mega squad. Liverpool have been so um, self-sustaining, you know, profit, 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 profit every season. Fund your transfers. Sell players at the right time. Yeah, finally we've cut loose and signed some couple of big names of big money, right? Nunes, you know, back, back Allison and... Verge. You know, yeah, and Verge, right? They're your big free. Yeah, that we've back actually gone, bang, there's big price, big, big dollars. But we've had the money in the club to do it, right? Two different ways of going at it, but the fact that that's how both teams are, we are always increasing the gap to Chelsea, who've had to go for a little bit of a rebuild. United, who've gone for a massive rebuild for their own precaution. Arsenal is not even in the stratosphere, right, of these top two. It's a different ball game, a different league. Yeah. And because the squads are so much bigger now than back in the middle 2000s, even when you rotate, you're not getting as many upsets because unless it's a massive injury crisis, the reserve side of these two sides will beat most sides in the prem. We're back in the middle 2000s, the squad depth wasn't there. Like, Ferguson had to rely on Makeda or Makeda there to score yeah. a bad win. Imagine if Ferguson had the money that he had in today's day and age. Yeah, but then the pool of me and I, yeah. they'd be Man City. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's just different yeah. times. Yeah. And that's how it goes. So we're not saying that that Fergie era and that middle just different, era, just a different type of how the Premier League was run and how the Premier League's gone. And there's going to be a day, and you know it may come after Pep leaves, and it may come when Ger- Klopp ends up retiring and Gerrard becomes in charge of Liverpool, which is the obvious progression. That Chelsea get it right and a bit more closer, and United get it right under Ten Hag, and then all of a sudden Arteta keeps getting it right, and that's where you and go Conte to gets it right at Spurs. Again. Yeah, yeah, and then it all shrinks back together. That's how it goes. Cycles. Just in an era yeah. that we're in a cycle where two teams are miles ahead of the rest. Yeah, 100%. So I think, look, end of the day, to wrap it up, I think we both have City mm, the taking the league with Liverpool very close behind. And then it's going to be it's going to be a fun season. It really is. I think it's, a, it's another one. World Cup's going to make it really interesting in the middle. I think that's going to be huge. Um, plenty of talking points. So, look, we've got a couple questions from the Discord, let me bring them up. So if you're not in the Discord, make sure you jump in because the link will be in the um, description. But I think we've got two for tonight's podcast. So a quick one about Man United. Start one, bench one, sell one of their three left-backs, Luke Shaw, Tellers, and Malaysia. Uh, Start Shaw only because of the name and give him a chance after injury in a really poor year last year. Uh, tell us you bench because I think there's known quality there. Um, and as much as I don't think Masali is as bad as the rest of them, because I don't think any of them are great at the minute, you just sell him because it's not Tellers. We only just came in this season, so I don't see a world where uh, he's a new signing. So Yeah, well, I know I get that too. It's just on <laughs> so Tellers, the door. If I was there... If I was there, that's how I would do it, but I'm not the man. Realistically, if I was doing this realistically, I, mean, I don't know Malaysia as a thing. Yeah, same here. The fact that he's just signed, I'm going to then sell Tellers because... Yeah, which makes obvious sense. I'm just saying that yeah. from what I know, I would be sure Tellers bench because I know what Tellers is and, you know, then this new guy coming in yeah. for me 
Whatever. And then our last question, so that was from Tim, and then our last question from Russo is, in the wake of Everton's loss to Minnesota, pre-season fixtures a good indicator of the season to come, or do they not matter? I think we've kind of spoken about this they already. Matter, but you don't I want to lose 4-0, though, to an MLS team. There's levels. Yeah. You can lose to a Barcelona, you can lose to a Man United, you can lose to a Spurs, but I don't think any Premier League team, regardless of what stage of pre-season they're in, should be losing 4-0 to an MLS team. I agree. I think it just stems from the fact that as much as I've always said it, and I will continue to say it, Frank Lampard, not a very good coach. Frank Lampard, not a very good at understanding how a game of football works in-game. Gets very lost. Yet again, Frank Lampard showing that he's not a Premier League quality manager. Yeah, so look, I think that's a good spot to leave it on for tonight. I think we've actually seen some interesting results in the preseason games here in Australia. Yeah, which is good. But they're not 4-0 losses. But anyway, Dame... For this episode, thank you once again for your input and your knowledge um, amongst the Premier League. We've got some exciting things to come very shortly as well, which I'm hoping you guys are going to stick around for. But Yep, I would agree. And thank you yet again, Paul, for having me on. Perfect. So make sure to get in the description of wherever you're listening or watching this from. To get amongst the socials, Damo's been streaming a heap of FIFA. I've been sort of back and forth between FIFA and FM and doing other videos and things like that and getting the podcast up. So... If you do want to see our beautiful faces, you can jump over to my YouTube channel at Paulie29 to actually watch the conversation um, as it unfolds. But from myself and episode 56, I'm going to say a massive thank you to those that have made it to this point of the podcast. And we'll see you very, very shortly for another episode of the PD Sports Podcast.